Welcome to Storytime with Managers, a podcast by Cohere. Hi, I'm Jennifer Tu, and I'm here with Ale Paredes to talk about unusual onboarding of new employees when you're unexpectedly working remotely during a pandemic. Ale, can you tell us a little about yourself? Hi, everyone. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. I am a VP of engineering at Go Climate. I'm from Caracas, Venezuela, and I moved to New York uh, six years ago, joined Code Climate three and a half years ago uh, as a senior software engineer, and then the company grew, and I have been growing with the company. Currently, I manage a small uh, engineering team of 11 engineers, and on the side, I also co-lead the New York City chapter of Latinas in Tech. Sounds great. So you mentioned you've got a small engineering team. I understand that, like many teams, you recently and unexpectedly went from in-office to entirely remote. And then along the way, you were growing the team as well. Can you tell us a little more about that? Like how long the team had been unexpectedly working remotely when your new hire started or what their first day was like? We went remote uh, at mid-March and two weeks after we had two engineers start. And we onboarded first, their first day. Um, you know, we had them join to our stand-up. Uh, we do engineering stand-ups every morning at 10.30 a.m. We had them join, introduce themselves, uh, kind of like so they can see everyone and recognize everyone's faces, you know, in real life. And then uh, we follow what we call a day one onboarding plan, where we write uh, what are the, you know, kind of like steps an engineer should follow to start onboarding themselves in our services. Uh, All right. Sounds pretty typical. One of the things that a lot of teams do with onboarding is uh, they have a day one plan and have some kind of here's how you get set up in our system. And when teams are in office, we rely on a new hire to be able to turn to their new teammates in person and do a little bit of nonverbal communication to find someone to ask for help. So they kind of look around, see who makes eye contact back, who kind of looks kind of friendly in their general direction. And so I'm wondering what kind of in-offices practices you had before around helping your new teammates, your new hires get help from their teammates and what you did afterwards when everyone was unexpectedly remote. So usually before all of this, when an engineer uh, has like their first week, there is a lot of pairing Mm -hmm. and usually, you know, different members of the team pair with them on different days. So they have kind of like a body throughout the week to ask questions and, you know, get help as soon as possible. So there is now that that frustration of like feeling blocked or like, you don't know what to do. And then we move into this remote world. Like the most important difference was realizing that we needed to be more intentional about that pairing. So mm-hmm. uh, we created schedules uh, for you know all all of the engineers on the team, and they knew they had to pair uh, you know day one with this new engineer. And kind of like the topic of the pairing was like setting up the local environment, for example, or getting an introduction into the architecture of the system. Uh, so I think that the main difference was being like more intentional about creating those opportunities to ask questions and get help. Does that mean that when your new hire started, they were 100% pairing with everyone? Or was it more of a 
they could ask for a specific pair each part of the day? I wouldn't say 100%. There were uh, portions of the day where they will pair, and then we use Slack a lot. Mm -hmm. And we encourage everyone to ask questions there. Like, for example, let's say you are setting up your local environment and everything seemed to be fine. And then for some reason it broke, kind of like sharing those questions there. Uh, so then someone can jump in and help out. And if the solution doesn't seem to be easy to be done, like via text, because sometimes that's kind of hard, then uh, we encourage to just like jump in in a Zoom call and kind of like debug the problem and make sure everything is running fine. What did you find in your new onboarding strategies that uh, worked really well, maybe worked better than you thought, or didn't work nearly as well as you were hoping for? What I thought worked really well, one of my biggest concerns was how can we make sure that everyone that is new in the team feels comfortable, you know, sharing if they're having any struggles, how they feel, uh, they can contribute to conversations, to code reviews. So that was one of kind of like my biggest concerns. How can we make them feel connected? Mm -hmm. And I think that part worked out surprisingly well. And I think partially that is on my very biased opinions we have. I have a really good team and everyone usually is very open about like how they feel or, you know, during a stand-up, if someone has like a a slow morning or is not feeling great, they will say so on the stand-up. And there is no shame, right? It's completely fine to have a rough morning. Uh, so I think having that like open and vulnerable environment allow the new engineers to feel comfortable and are very connected right away. What didn't work out so well, I didn't realize before we went working remote, I have half of my team working in Brazil. So I thought, or I made the assumption, well, our processes must be fairly remote friendly because we already have engineers, quote unquote, working remote. But then when we were doing this onboarding, I realized that there were a, a lot of things that uh, we knew because we had the context, but they weren't writing uh, or documented anywhere. So I think that was a part that uh, didn't work out so well. Our uh, documentation was a little bit weak. But that said, the silver lining is that we encourage a lot of the new engineers to start grinding kind of like all of that documentation that was missing or was out of day or needed to be expanded on. And now uh, we have a stronger documentation that will definitely make it way easier to onboard anyone remote or, you know, in the office. Did you find these gaps because the new hires found them or were you able to... I don't know, uh, get ahead of things and really anticipate. <laughs> I would say it was more about like reading a little bit between the lines. Like uh, someone will ask a question and I will think like, and it's like a completely fair question, you know, like, oh, how, how are we supposed to do this? Or like, what is the expectation, you know, about using Jira? And then I will think to myself, like, wow, this is a really good question. And I, uh, we should have documented this because like how will anyone outside of our team know we have to do this? So it, it was kind of like, yeah, I couldn't get ahead of it, which is not great, but. I think that's kind of normal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know any team that's really gotten ahead of it, but just in case I, I needed to ask what the secret was in case you had figured it out. 
No, but I, I do think there is uh, something really good about having new engineers is uh, how easy it is for them to spot what is missing because they don't have any of the historical context that we have. So things that for us seem like uh, obvious uh, for them is like not really. So it makes it very efficient to make the everything stronger when you're onboarding. Uh, so that has been like the silver lining. Yeah. One thing that you mentioned earlier that I want to learn a little more about is you said that your teams really know that there is no shame in coming to stand up and saying that you're having problems. And I'm wondering what it is that you do to reinforce that feeling of there is no shame and uh, what you need to do differently when, if anything at all, when you're doing that remote? I started with myself. Uh, so I talk a lot about how I feel. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I don't uh, also refer to, refer to the facts uh, when something happened, but also um, if, you know, I'm having trouble understanding something, I won't pretend that I, I you know, need to know everything. I will be very explicit and vulnerable and say, like, I, I don't really understand, you know, this problem or I don't have enough context and I cannot offer advice. And I think when you are the leader and you are able to do that, it almost makes it okay for everyone to do it as well because there is, like, a sense of normalcy. So I think there is that part. And then our I encourage our senior engineers to do that a lot. So... Uh, when a senior engineer, sometimes I see them asking questions on private channels or in, you know, DMs, I will, you know, slack them and be like, hey, can you maybe post this question in a public channel to make sure everyone else sees that you also have questions and that you sometimes don't understand things and that's completely normal. And the more you do that, it, it almost becomes like a habit. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. From going to remote, I wouldn't say with the anything different but something that we did which is like very specific to the situation is uh, we do monthly product retros uh, which are focused on the process on like how design engineering and product work together but the last retro we did which was like three weeks after we went working remote I noticed that no one really uh, was in, in the mood to talk about the processes that we were using. A lot of like the topics that we had on the board were related to how we feel, how we're coping, how it may be hard to like separate work from like being at home. So I encouraged that we had that discussion. Everyone shared tips. Everyone was like, very vulnerable and candid. Uh, so I think being like flexible with your own processes and being able to adjust to a situation has been like useful right now. That's really interesting that that your team in the retro a month in was able to turn up that they had a lot of feelings about about how everything had changed. Yeah. I also really liked how you described doing a lot of modeling and then asking your most senior members of your team to also do modeling for how to show that it's okay to not know things and it's also okay to have feelings about what's going on. Yeah, at least right now that has been the most effective way I have found to not only try to model myself what I think our behavior should be, but also like make that scalable because right now I have to 
squads within the team. So I'm, I don't usually talk to everyone all the time. So it's kind of like trying to, you know, make that modeling scale up. Yeah. So talking about squads is making me think about how people relate to each other. When we are in office, we do a lot to affirm our relationships with each other. We say hello. We go get coffee together. We just take all of these moments between and spend them together. And one thing I'm thinking about is how has your team been creating those relationship affirmations while being unexpectedly remote? And then how do you integrate new team members into those experiences? I would say one of the first things that we adjusted when we we went into remote was to make sure that, for example, in the stand-up every morning, we have a buffer that is almost like socialization instead of like just, you know, going right into business. So people talk about what they had for dinner or what are they doing for the weekend or what video games they're playing. Uh, So I think that helps a lot into understanding or creating those connections. Mm -hmm. We also have, this is not engineering specific, uh, but every day we have an optional Zoom meeting called Water Cooler. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, and you can just like pop in there for a couple of minutes and talk about anything. And and something that I really like is that one of our our new engineers, she kind of took the lead on making sure of remind everyone to join the meeting, which uh, to me is a sign that she feels comfortable and that she wants, you know, to create more of that, those connections. And then we try to stay connected as well through Slack and making sure people talk about work-related things, but also non-work-related things. I think you mentioned earlier that you've got a couple of people who were onboarded, and it sounded like your team was on the smaller side before. How much did your team grow, and how has that been like? My team grew last quarter uh, about 40%. Oh. Yeah, we were, they were six and now 10 So, yeah, that's uh, 40%. Last quarter, we grew about 40%, more or less. And one of the biggest shifts is communication. Communication, when you are really small, is so easy. Getting everyone on on the same page, everyone has the same amount of context, and ensuring that happens is very easy and, and low effort. And now we went into from like a small team that all the time work together into two squads, which means that uh, some engineers are working on projects that other engineers have not that much context, but maybe they could help or offer a hand or, you know, but they don't know it. So I think one of the biggest shifts is uh, making sure that we create visibility across the team about what's going on, but without needing everyone to be in all of the meetings, for example, or, you know, read every pull request because that doesn't seem uh, feasible. And then also making sure that our engineers, especially our engineers that have been on the team a long time, feel comfortable de- letting go a little bit, which uh, I think is very normal for us to feel like when we have been working on, on something for a long time. It's like almost like our baby. And then someone else comes in and they have different ideas and context and they want to change things. Uh, So being able to 
make sure that we're we're letting new engineers uh, have that space to suggest those ideas, and we are listening to those ideas. Uh, so I think those are like the two biggest uh, differences in terms of how we're handling communication. We're doing a lot of more grinding in general, <laughs> which uh, is a big shift. For us, we used to rely a lot on like face to face, like oh, let me grab you for five minutes, and I will, you know, tell you exactly what you need to know. Even if we were in the office, it wouldn't be feasible to, you know, have everyone for five minutes. So now we're writing clear spec product documents. Uh, we're doing more uh, requests for comment documents, which are basically design documents, and we use pull requests to like request reviews from other engineers and make sure everyone is like asking questions or raising concerns. We used to do that only on like really big, big projects, but now uh, we're trying to do it more consistently, even on medium-sized projects. So that's how we're improving communication. And then every squad lead kind of mix with their team on a weekly basis to, you know, make sure they plan for the week, they have priorities and everyone is aligned. And then each squad shares with the rest of the team, like, oh, these are our priorities or, and this is what we see could be risky or needs attention or we would like input from someone else. That sounds really challenging. Going from one team to multiple teams is already kind of hard, and to do it at the same time as going unexpectedly remote sounds even harder. One thing I'm wondering is, are there ways for you to bring up the feelings that people are probably having about this while keeping that forward momentum of making the changes that you need in order for your team to be able to work effectively? Yeah, absolutely. I have been using mostly one-on-ones to address some of these feelings. Mm-hmm. Also, we have a bi-weekly meeting for team leads, which I think is another good forum to make sure that uh, you know team leads are aware of maybe communication issues or things that could, could be improved uh, across uh, the engineering team. In general, I rely on a lot on one-on-ones to understand how someone is uh, feeling. For example, uh, let's say I noticed that someone someone's communication wasn't the best in a code review when where a new engineer is proposing a change. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's say I noticed that. Uh, usually, my instinct is, is to not to assume you know any bad intentions because I don't really know what's going on inside. Uh, this person had so I will uh, bring it up during a one-on-one and say like hey I noticed that you know this happened and I think this has uh, the communication could have been handled better this way and I I make an emphasis on on highlighting why I think uh, this could be impacting negatively the other person and I try to share as much context as possible about that and then I open up the conversation with a question like, you know, what do you think uh, this happened or uh, how do you think you could have handled it differently? And then usually what happens is that the, the other person will share like, oh, uh, that day, you know, 
I had too many things on my plate or I am really worried that we're taking this technical direction because it has all of these risks. And I worry that if we take on, on, on all of these risks, then, you know, we will have too many incidents or all of these concerns. And then when I hear all of that context, what I usually offer uh, is advice on, uh, I think, you know, I, I try to reaffirm that those concerns are valid concerns, but he or she could have communicated those concerns in a way that the other person understands where, uh, where you're coming from. This, uh, this is very helpful, especially when someone is like feeling worried that, uh, you know, that they are giving away their ownership and things could change uh, mm-hmm. in a negative way. So I try to highlight like, yes, these are all valid concerns. And I'm sure if you share these concerns with the other person, they, they will see where you are coming from and understand them and work with you to address those concerns. Another example that I think often happens is when someone new comes in, maybe they have done things differently in their other jobs and they, you know, bring in those ideas. And I, I think for someone that has like a lot of context, they may feel like, oh, are you saying we're doing things wrong? Or, you know, they, they may take it a little bit negatively. And I usually try to remind, you know, like put yourself in the position that is someone new they they are excited they want to contribute and they are being curious and trying to understand why we're doing things this way and almost trying to provide value by suggesting how can we do it better and or if even even that's possible uh so yeah i leverage a lot one-on-ones to kind of like rehearse those conversations in a way wow that's really helpful so Anytime you've got a lot of change in your team, no matter what that change is, you need to dig into your one-on-ones and pull out the feelings about it. And then that tells you, the leader of the team, what you need to do to address it across the whole team. That's great. Yeah. It feels almost like, uh, you know, when you're an engineer and you have a bug and I'm not comparing humans to... uh, computers of course but um, you try to like go into all of these like different places where the problem could be and gather as much context as possible is uh, that's kind of like how I approach these situations like I don't want to make any decisions or judgments on what the problem is until I have all of the information huh so using one-on-ones for context gathering totally Ale, this has been really great. Uh, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners? Yeah, I would say that um, even if you know you have you are onboarding new engineers without going uh, needing to go remote, I, I think one tip that is or something that I try to practice that is really helpful is is establishing right away that uh, you know you come from a place of, of trust. So uh, if something is not going perfect, uh, you want to encourage that new engineer to give feedback as soon as possible and share, you know, anything that is crossing their mind that could help them or that could have been done better. And also share that the process itself is not perfect yet and that we're learning. So there is always opportunity to make the process better. Thanks, Ali. And if people want to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? 
Uh, I use Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, my usernames are the same in both. Ale7714 or A-L-E-7714. Cool. And uh, you mentioned Latinas in tech. Is that also a good place? Yes, definitely. Uh, you can find us in Twitter, uh, Facebook, Slack. Just uh, Google Latinas in tech or go to latinasintech.org and reach out. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Managers by Cohere. I'm Jennifer Tu. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod, and we are edited by Mandy Moore and the DevReps crew. If you liked this episode, please think about leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This can make a really big difference in helping other people find and start listening to Storytime with Managers. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.